This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... So how can, how can forgiving someone lead people to, to see love in your life? So right, it, it is an act of faith to forgive someone who's hurt you. But it's also an action, right? I mean, so, so it's an act of faith that's seen as goodness, that I'm going to forgive someone. And you say, well, how can forgiving someone change the way you think? Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian, uh, focusing on our recent series uh, called Goals, Discovering God's Purpose for Your Life. Pastor Christian, I wanted to take a moment to talk about last week's message on spiritual community. You stated that living for God demands community. The the New Testament model of Christianity on mission always includes partnership or group life. Uh, how have you personally carved out time in your full schedule for spiritual community? And and number two, what what are you learning from that? And what are you experiencing from spiritual community that is strengthening you as a father, as a husband, and your relationship with Jesus? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question in a and a great question to ask a pastor, because I'll be honest, a lot of a lot of pastors, including me in seasons, they talk a whole lot about community and they have very and they have very little. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I was really passionate about when we started our church, you know, eight, eight years ago and in the season of moving into starting our church is I had realized, you know, I, I was working in a in a very big, very busy church and I was I was a professional Christian, a professional pastor, but a very poor Christian. Uh, meaning there, you know, there are some basic things about Christianity, going to church, living in community, you know, serving each other, serving the community um, that you live in, the, the, you know, the underserved in the community um, that you have. And then just having this plan to continue to go, to, to continue to grow, uh, being a part of a global missions movement. So one of the things that kind of kind of turned our heart as we began to to start our church was, listen, we, we want to make sure as we start our church that we are biblical Christians, even if we never work at a church, we we want to we want to walk with Jesus, uh, we want to live in group life, we want to serve globally on the mission field, we want to know where the hurting and underserved people in our community are and be a part of helping them, um, and and we want to have a plan to con- to continue to grow. So part of starting our church was really starting living in biblical community. And as the church grows, sometimes you get in seasons where you don't have that. And this summer I took our sabbatical seven years. And one of the things I focused on on my sabbatical was, you know, again, we, we started a very small church. We're now pastoring a, a, you know, not a large church, but a church is certainly bigger than, than when we started it. And I thought, man, if, if you don't, if you aren't intentional, like being in ministry will take over your life and it'll take over your Christian life. And I had gotten out of what what for me was always a key of my growth, uh, a men's ministry small group. So coming out of coming out of sabbatical, I just decided that I was going to take the fall to build a group of of twelve people and myself, um, and I was going to live in biblical spiritual community with these guys. We've got a book that we're going through. We text. Uh, now every week about the Sunday service, we've texted about the ten commitments to Jesus. Which one is everyone doing? We've texted about the nine commitments to Jesus. Which one everyone is going to take? We'll text this week about the buckets. Which ones are not being full? We meet once a month 
um, to just kind of see where each other are in our in our spiritual journey. And we're reading a book so we can all be traveling together in a spiritual path. We had our first men's group, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and it, and it was it has been the highlight of my January. Just being involved in group life again makes me feel so much more alive spiritually. I've had to carve out other things to make it happen. Um, but that has happened. The second way would be our accountability groups that our staff have started. So I meet the first Wednesday of every month now with Mike Evans, our family ministry pastor, Scott Courtney, our executive pastor. Those are the two guys in my accountability triad. Um, and, you know, one, one of the things that was on my goals list that I hadn't done yet was to buy flowers for my wife at least once a month. And because of that meeting, I had not done that yet. Um, I went out and bought flowers for Danielle, and she was trying to figure out if I did something wrong, if I broke something. Um, and I just let her know it's one of my goals this year, to, to love you more with romantic gestures. Um, that came out of my accountability group, m- much less the spiritual stuff, um, just the life stuff I want to do better. So those those are two brand new things. Something had to go so that those could fit in, um, whether it was leisure time, sleep time, um, hanging out with family, d- doing other things. Uh, but those have been super, super valuable to my faith walk, even in the first couple weeks of 2019. Well, let's talk about this week's message. In fact, we're recording this on a Saturday night where we actually um, just I just heard the message for the, the first time. It's entitled Ready, Set, Grow. Um, one of the statements you made was so good. Um, you stated, through Jesus, we have received faith and a spiritual nature, and our response is to grow spiritually. You reminded us that spiritual growth is our responsibility. Can Can you remember a moment in your life where you decided, you know what, I need to take responsibility for my spiritual growth? What What was that turning point for you? Yeah, Um so I'm so I'm actually going to answer this question with a um, with kind of a different answer. Um, so you ask you ask when I learned that spiritual growth was my responsibility. So I'm going to change it a little bit because most of my life, I was taught that my spiritual life, not spiritual growth, but my spiritual life, was my responsibility, and I thought it was a requirement to be close to Jesus. That if I did not do these things, Jesus would not love me. That if I did not do these things, Jesus would not accept me. Um, and and it was a burden when when all of my spiritual life was was something I was responsible for. It was it was a burden. And when I realized that spiritual life is not something I'm responsible for, it's something that's given to me by Jesus. It's given freely by Jesus. And he, you know, and he, he loves me on my good days and my bad days. He connects me to God. He gives me a spiritual nature. When I learned that I am not responsible for my spiritual life, but that it was a gift, one, my awareness of who Jesus was, what he did in my life, you know, became like 10 times larger. But then I realized I am responsible for my spiritual growth. Um, but it's, but it's a response. It's not a requirement. It's not like, Hey, Jesus loves you. If you love him back, you have to do all these things. It's a, hey, Jesus loves you. And when you realize that, your response will be a desire to do these things. And your life will be continually lived, missing the target that you want to hit, which is perfection, to be able to be who Jesus is, but continue to, continually lived in that direction anyway. There's a, there's a freedom to it. There's a freedom to pursuing Jesus, knowing that you're not going to be perfect, but knowing that your response matters, your heart matters, and your attempts and your actions at adding 
to your faith are, are super important. So, so for me, I, I want to make sure and distinguish between responsibility for spiritual growth and responsibility for spiritual life. Jesus is solely responsible for our spiritual birth and our spiritual life and our connection to God. But our response out of that is, Hey, what, what can I, what can I give in, in return? Jesus has given all of himself to me. What parts of myself can I give to him as a response that shows him I understand what he, what he did for me? Um, that has probably happened just in the last 10 years where spiritual life for me has been a response rather than a requirement. In my teens, it was a requirement. Uh, you know, I, I grew up going to a church, um, you know, where, where they taught Jesus will love you if you love him. Um, you know, and, and he will save you, but then you have to do all these things to keep your salvation or you can lose your salvation. I learned when I went to, to Bible college, um, that, 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 that wasn't true. That's not what we believe at our church. We don't believe you can earn your salvation, which means we don't believe you can lose your salvation. We believe it's a gift that Jesus gives you, but that it will change you. Um, but even in, because I'm an achiever, even into my twenties, uh, in my early thirties, you know, I still tried to get an A on every test. I mean, I read my Bible, I journaled, I tithed. I mean, I did all those things. And even though I knew in my head those things didn't make Jesus love me, um, I thought if I didn't do them, Jesus wouldn't love me. If I didn't do them, Jesus wouldn't bless me. If I didn't do them, I wouldn't be good enough for Jesus. It was in my mid-30s before I realized even doing those things, I'm still not good enough for Jesus, but they sure do help me grow and look more like him and they became my pleasure rather than kind of my pain, right? They became my blessing rather than my burden to get up and read the Bible, not because it made me love Jesus more uh, or it made Jesus love me more, but because it would make me love Jesus more. Um, Pray, not so Jesus would love me more, but so that I would love Jesus more. Give, not so that Jesus would love me more, but that I would love Jesus more. When I, when I learned that those things were a response and they were the way that I showed love, not the way I received love from him. It was a game changer for me. And I think it's been a game changer in the way I parent, hopefully in the way I lead, hopefully even in the way that I preach. But that to me is, you know, it's five to seven years old. So the intention behind why you did all those yes. changes. Yes. Right? That's so good. So you used a, a great visual um, in your message this weekend of these overflowing buckets to describe what extravagant, overflowing, impactful spiritual growth looks like. In other words, our faith should be overflowing from our lives and getting all over everything, all over our marriage, all over our parenting, where we work, where we play. And, and these buckets actually have a name. And, and so I thought for the remainder of our time today, I'd, I'd like to focus on those buckets, if you don't mind. Um, the first one's faith. Fill up your faith bucket every day and you will begin to change the actions of your life. H- how do we fill up our faith bucket every day? Is that the Ten Commitments you talked about earlier in the series? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's part of it. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So for me to, to fill up your faith bucket, you've got to be filling up with Scripture. So that was a big part of the Ten, commit, the ten Commitments that we talked about earlier to consider, you know, making sure you're connecting with scripture every day. So that's, that's a big part of it for me. But yes, all 10 of those were ways to add to our faith bucket, connect, you know, connecting with scripture, praying intentionally. I probably can't remember all 10 of them um, off the top of my head, journaling, right? Telling someone your story, praying for someone who needs Jesus. All of those are ways to build your faith. And we are told God wants us to grow and we are told to build on the foundation that God gives us. So yeah, 
all all of those 10 commitments, anything that you can do that will connect you even for a second to Jesus is going to be a powerful thing that fills your faith bucket. Okay, so the next bucket below faith is goodness. Fill up your life with the actions of Jesus that will begin to change the way you think. How will the action of goodness change the way I think? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to tie together all of these um, with an illustration. You know, so, so goodness, I mean, it's the old school, right? When I was growing up in the 90s, it's the WWJD bracelet. It, you know, it's what would Jesus do? Good, goodness is is trying to produce the actions of Jesus in my life, whether it's giving a couple dollars to someone who's homeless on the street and needs some money, whether it's not responding in anger, um, whether it's giving somebody a bigger tip, you know, it, it just, it's trying to live your life through the lens of Jesus. But what, you know, one of the ways these, these kind of filter together, you know, if we just think about one act of faith, if we just think about forgiving someone, right? So how can, how can forgiving someone lead people to, to see love in your life? So, right. It, it is an act of faith to forgive someone who's hurt you, but it's also an action, right? I mean, so, so it's an act of faith that's seen as goodness that I'm going to forgive someone. And you say, well, how can forgiving someone change the way you think? Because if you, if you really try to forgive someone, that act of goodness is going to impact your knowledge. Because when you realize how difficult it is, you will learn something about Jesus. You will think, wow, I didn't realize how difficult it was for Jesus to forgive me, right? You like you never, you never have that knowledge until you act on that faith to forgive someone. And as you try to keep forgiving seventy times seven, which it you know means to infinity, you will eventually, with that knowledge of learning how Jesus forgave you, you will develop self control with somebody in your relationship with them, as you learn to forgive them again and again and again and again, that one act of faith that results in this act of goodness, that results in this piece of spiritual knowledge that you didn't have, will begin to overflow into a practice, not not an action, but a practice of forgiveness that allows us to see, wow, the self-control that Jesus has, the choice that he makes every day to forgive me is just incredible. And and you'll find yourself developing the mind of Christ in these areas. And if you develop self-control long enough, you won't just find yourself having the mind of Christ. You'll find yourself developing the heart of Christ in really difficult moments. Because as this one act of faith, goodness, forgiving someone, helps you understand who Jesus is and how Jesus works, and when you see how it positively impacts you and maybe a relationship, it's going to result in self-control how you act. And then it's going to teach you, wow, what if I, in every area of life, did what Jesus wanted me to do, thought how Jesus wanted me to think, had hope like Jesus wanted me to have hope. All of a sudden in the difficult seasons, not the moments, all of a sudden now I, you know, I'm able to persevere through things because this one act that Jesus told me to do, forgive someone, worked out well spiritually. So it teaches me to trust that another act of Jesus, being long-suffering, um, which is one of the spiritual fruit, that I'm you know, i going to suffer along, I'm going to persevere. There's belief that that will work out as well. 
And the longer you do that, the more you're going to understand the heart of God and the more people are going to see the heart of God in you. And you're going to, you're going to be seen as someone who carries around a godliness or a God likeness because of one choice to forgive. That was a choice and an action, even before it was an understanding. But when the choice became action, the action became understanding, the understanding became a habit, the habit became a lifestyle. All of a sudden, the lifestyle becomes a reputation that like you are, you're very much like God. When people hurt you, you forgive them. And, you know, when everyone else loses faith, like you remain faithful and you pray a little bit and that that godliness shows itself over and over and over again in in interactions with people. So your you know, your character becomes becomes an outward flowing action in the lives of other people. And they don't just see in you, but they feel from you love and because they feel from you love, they look at you a little more closely, and then they see in you not just a love for them, but a love for God. It's it's just it's it's one act of faith. It's just one act of faith. I'm going to choose to forgive. It's an action before it's an understanding. It's an understanding that becomes a habit. It's a habit that becomes a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that becomes a reputation, and it's a reputation that really is a mirror that just points people back to God, not even to you. So, so that's how all that works. So when you say, you know, how do you fill up your life with goodness? You choose an action of Jesus. Even before you understand it, you choose an action of Jesus. It's an act of faith to forgive. You choose that action. You're going to learn something about Jesus. It's an act of faith to give. You choose that action. You're going to learn something about Jesus. Um, it's an act of faith to to love. You choose that action, you're going to learn something about Jesus. It's an act of faith to say no to something good, to say yes to something better and coming to church or being a part of small group. It's an action that you choose that leads to an understanding that develops a habit, that develops a lifestyle, that develops a reputation that points people back to God over and over and over. But it's it's just, you choose the actions of Jesus as an act of faith, even before you understand them. And the actions produce the understanding, and the understanding produces the habits, and eventually the habits produce the lifestyle of who of who Jesus is. But you have to, every time, in every situation, what would Jesus do? Don't cut them off in traffic. Don't honk at them when they cut you off in traffic. Be nice to that server at the restaurant who's not being nice to you. You don't know what they came from, what they're going back to tonight. You don't know what they're dealing through. Every Every position that you're in, you choose by faith to do what you think Jesus would do as much as you understand who Jesus is. And then you just sit back and learn from those experiences, which will help you not only see who Jesus is more clearly, but become more like him. It's interesting how uh, you, you tie all of these together. And the ultimate uh, result of this is so that others, it's, it's not for really our benefits, it's for, it's for other people's benefit. I think of the passage, so let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. But it's both. It right. is It is literally, it's a, it's a win-win. It, it, it does benefit you because it keeps you from being unproductive or ineffective. So what builds your faith actually blesses other people at the exact same time. It's a, it's a win-win. Well, maybe the last question for today, and you may have kind of already answered this, but what would you say to the person listening now that is saying, I want all of my buckets to overflow, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. Where should they start? I, where should they begin? They ha- begin with faith. Begin 
begin with actions that build faith. Um, at our church, we, we believe there are four. We believe there are four strategies in the New Testament that add faith. Uh, one is experiencing God weekly through worship in community, um, with worship, praying, and teaching. The disciples did it at the temple every day. So we say you have to experience worship. Add to your week the act of faith of being in church on Sunday or at least watching online. Um, and then I would say the second one, which we usually mention fourth, is equip yourself with a plan to grow. Whatever you learn through the faith experience of worship weekly, just add it to your life. Like whatever you learn, consider 10 commitments, add one, Can, you know, to press to Jesus. Uh, consider nine to experience communion, community, add one. Um, figure out which of the eight buckets you need to have. Circle it and start to pray. Like, just add one thing from that worship experience that will equip you to grow. Uh, you know, embrace serving, get engaged. Serving is an act of faith that you choose. Um, so serving an act of faith would result in goodness, actually helping people, which res would result in knowledge thinking, wow, when I serve, I actually get more than everyone else. It's what we realize every time I just got back from the Dominican and you realize I didn't take those people anything more than they gave me just being there built my faith. Serving is for you, not for others. It sounds selfish, but that's the reality that that's the knowledge you would get. If your faith leads to goodness of serving, the knowledge is, Hey, this is actually for me, um, which leads to enough self-control to say no to things that would keep you from serving. Um, and then eventually a perseverance where, you know, you actually rearrange your whole schedule to serve. I mean, I, we could go, I could show you, just, you give me an act of faith and I will walk through how it leads to love. I mean, it, we could do it. We could do it all night long as we, as we talk through this list. So serving is one. And then, you know, um, engaging in community. I mean, if you really want to add an, a step of faith to your life, get in a small group, get in a men's group, get in one of our care groups, get in a serve group, live in community. Those, those four are huge. If you will do those four, those are all strategies that will help you add faith. And then whatever you learn, act on it. Goodness. Not until you start acting on it will you understand the, you know, the word knowledge here. Um, if you ask, what would I do to fill up the knowledge bucket? This word knowledge in the Greek language, there's a couple words for knowledge. One of them is head knowledge. One of them is life knowledge. This is a word for experience. Um, this knowledge is experience. You have to do something to experience it. And then once you experience it, you see things differently. It's a, it's a knowledge of experience. So you got to get active in life and then stay at it. Get active in life and then stay at it. And you will see your faith grow up, which is the proper response to what Jesus has done for us. Well, Pastor Christian, this has been a powerful reminder for all of us today, so thank you for leading us through this, this passage and this message. And thank you for listening to our podcast. We're, wherever you are at and whatever you're doing right now, we're grateful that you've carved out some time to listen and grow in your faith. We'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.